Welcome to Kayo Reset. God loves you, and he's all about second chances. He's made us brand new. You know, reset means to start over, set anew, to set, adjust, or repair in a new way, to put back in the correct position for healing. Reset is about you emotionally, physically, and spiritually. Get a brand new start today and embrace God's plan for your life. Get ready for a reset. Welcome back. This is Pastor Gerald. This is Turn Life, Session 2. I hope you enjoyed Session 1. I got a lot out of it. Uh, I've got some good feedback. Anyway, we're going to continue into Session 2 today. And again, this turns your life around in the right direction. That's why it's called Turn Life. So, we're talking about the Word of God today. You've got to learn the Word of God, but it's one to just learn it, but you need to understand it and really enjoy it. And today... We're going to go into Nahum chapter 1 in the Old Testament. Grab your study notes and your Bible and let's grow together in the Word of God today. Because last week we talked about the power of the Word of, of the Word of God and how we must live by the Word of God and not by, our, not by our feelings or by what we see necessarily. Nahum chapter 1 verse 7 says, The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and He knows those who take refuge in Him. Most people... Uh, don't understand the concept that God is good. God is good. And he knows those who take refuge or shelter in him. So the thing is, a lot of people think God has some lightning bolt ready to strike them down with their name on it. And they have this negative view of God. Now, in other religions, you listen to other countries and how people worship their God. Uh, they have a negative view of him. He's evil. He's mean. He's a tiger. He has fangs. He has claws. He could be any number of things. They say he's evil and puts a curse on them one day, and another day he's he's good or he treats them well. And that's just not the God of the Bible. And that's why a lot of times we always reference Jesus, the Son of God. And really, Christianity is so different from other religions uh, that a lot of times that's why we refer to it as a relationship. It is a religion. Christianity is a religion, but it's a relationship. That's the most important aspect of it. But at the end of the day, the God of the Bible is good. And God does not bring trouble, but he is our help in a time of trouble. God is our help in a time of trouble. <clears throat> let's look at John chapter 10. Uh, let's look at what Jesus says about times of trouble. Okay, It says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly or have it to the full. So once you've been born again, Jesus wants his sheep, that would be you, or his children, those that are born again, receive a new spirit. He wants you to come, to, he's come to give you life and to have it more abundantly. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. The thief is your enemy. The thief is the devil. His name is Satan. And in this world, you've got to realize that there is good and evil. And where, yeah, where did evil come from? Well, evil was released into the earth way back in the Garden of Eden when Adam uh, sinned, Adam and Eve sinned. And if you'll notice, their eyes never opened until Adam ate the, ate the fruit, okay? And that's what brought sin and evil into the earth, okay? When God created the earth in Genesis 1, everything he made was good and there was no evil in it. He says everything he made and he looked back and it was good. In Genesis 1.26, God gave dominion to Adam over all of the earth. We know God gave that right to Adam and to subdue the earth and everything in it. Okay, that means that man has dominion over the earth. But 
Adam bowed his knee to the enemy of God. It wasn't that the fruit necessarily was bad. It was because he broke the law of God. Remember, God made a covenant with Adam. He broke that law. When Adam sinned against God and broke the law of God, he did it in direct obedience to another being, Satan, or the, the, the snake. Satan took over all the rights that Adam had. Adam was the Lord of the earth and had dominion over the earth. But when Adam yielded to Satan, Eve too, Eve's there, but Adam is the one that God made the covenant with. When Adam yielded to Satan, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, it says that Satan is now uh, the god of this world or the, inf- like the, the influence, the god of this world. This is why we have sickness, death, and innocent people suffering. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, in whose case the god, lowercase g, of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Basically, Satan has power in this in this world in the earth. Now God didn't leave us defenseless against the enemy, against the devil. Jesus came to give us life, and everything Satan does results in death. Satan has a way of making death seem fun. The Bible says there's pleasure in sin. It actually says the pleasure of sin is, is fleeting. It means, or it's only for a season. The devil wants people to, to do things that lead to death, right? Uh, he, he makes things look fun. Uh, people wouldn't do things if they didn't have some type of fun or element of fun. Uh, he, he wants people to get drunk, to do drugs, to commit sexual sin. Uh, he, wants, he makes it fun and appealing, Okay. And the thing is, but at the same time, there's a payback or consequence that is far worse and far greater than the fun that was had initially or in the beginning. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but it also says the gift of God is everlasting life. It's Romans 6.23. So the wages of sin is death. That's payment. Sin Sin will pay you back. It's payback. All the sins we commit, there's payback. The death that Satan brings with him is not worth it's not worth it. People are there's a lot of people I know, and there's some that are that are very old. People are lonely when they're older and the body's been wrecked by all of their par- partying, sin, and the quote fun they once had. Uh, there's a I always tell kids, there are kids I know that get involved with drugs. And I would ask them, how many forty to fifty year old drug mules do you see? The thing is, you don't. They're either dead, in prison, or they're lost in loneliness, or their body is wrecked by drugs themselves. Remember, Jesus came to give us life that is to the full and more abundant. Again, Satan tempts, brings death, and he tempts us with things. He doesn't show us the consequence or the payment or the payback of sin. Remember, the wages of sin is death. By sinning, there's going to be payback, and it leads to death. Now, if we want to know what, the, what God is like, we've got to look at Jesus. Read in Hebrews 1.1, it says, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. That just sounds cool just reading it. But basically, it says Jesus is the exact representation of his nature. It says that Jesus is the expressed image of God's person. If we want to know what God's like, we look at Jesus. Again, that's why a lot of times we, we always reference Jesus. Now, here's the thing. Here's a question. Does God put sickness on people? Let's look at Jesus. 
Did Jesus put sickness on people? No. Jesus healed them. Uh, one man said, if it be your will, uh, heal me. Jesus says, I, I am willing. Be healed. And he heals them. Okay, does God curse people? Again, a lot of people in other religions, they're like cursing their God. Again, that's what makes the God of the Bible, the God of Christianity, different. Does God curse people? Let's look at Jesus. Did Jesus curse people? No, Jesus loved people, and he loves people. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God does judge the wicked, yes. Let's not make a mistake there. God extends his love and grace to us through his Son, Jesus. Jesus is good. God is good. Now, again, Satan loves... Uh, he brings death, and he loves to tempt us with things that lead to death or distract us from God. Remember, Jesus brings life. Satan brings death. So he's going to do anything to lure you away from Jesus or from God that uh, he wants to lead you away from life into death. Okay? He's separated from God now. So anyway, let's look at the Bible. James chapter 1, verse 12. Let's know this. God does not tempt you. Some people think that God tempts them. He does not. In James 1, verse 12 to 13, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. Okay? It says that God does not tempt anyone. Now, in this life, you will have to endure temptation. When you live on this earth, you will be tempted. Satan will make his offer as long as you're alive on this earth. You can cut down on the frequency of temptation by changing choices and decisions you make and, and changing your behavior. Remember, I've said that sin is a shark or a salesman. Satan is a salesman. You're going to have to say no. When salesmen come to your door, you have to say no. If they get pushy, maybe you've got to slam the door in their face. If they're trying to walk in and you don't want them to come in, you've got to treat Satan and sin and temptation in the same way. You've got to say no. That whole just say no thing, there's something to it. <laughs> it's, it's real. So, But in James 1.13, it says God doesn't tempt anyone. If there's ever pressure or temptation... On you, rest assured that it is not from God. God doesn't do that. The Bible does say that man is drawn away by his own desires. Let's look in James chapter 1, verse 14. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Okay, then we go further down in James 1 17 says every good every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or sh shifting shadow. Okay, so each person is tempted when they're carried away and enticed by their own lust. Okay, now let's go back. It says here in 17, it says that every good and perfect gift comes from God. All of his gifts are good and they're perfect. If someone died at an early age, like if a child died at an early age, is that a good gift? No, that's tragedy. That's bad. Remember, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God does not do that. God is not the author of death. 1 Corinthians 15 says that death is an enemy, and when Adam was created, he was created to live forever until sin entered the picture. God, again, is always good. 
Now, when we're tempted, we're drawn away by our, by our own lust. Lust is another word for a strong desire. You can lust after the opposite sex. You could lust after a cheeseburger. But a great example, and typically you'll hear the word lust, is when it involves the opposite sex. Now, there's nothing wrong with being attracted to the opposite sex. That's healthy. That's good. God does expect you to express that desire within the boundaries of His Word, though. You don't have sex with anyone outside of marriage or before marriage. That would be a sin, and that would be outside the boundaries that God wants us to live. And again, God's boundaries protect you. A lot of people think his rules or his boundaries are uh, restricting, but actually there's freedom in it and protection in it. Again, it's not a sin to be tempted. I want to say that again. It is not a sin to be tempted. Again, when it regards the opposite sex, it's okay to be attracted to him. You just can't have that strong desire to taking control of your life and leading you away. Remember, we're lured away by our own desires. Now, for example, I've, I've never been tempted to rob a bank. I even worked at a bank. I was never tempted to rob a bank. I even worked at one. Never crossed my mind. And most of you would never get tempted that way either. We get tempted in the areas where we have desire. Remember, we have to avoid temptation by governing ourselves and living in a way that lines up with the Word of God. Jesus overcame temptation by controlling his desires. Jesus came to this earth in a body, and he gets tired, lazy, sleepy. How did Jesus handle being tired, lazy, sleepy? Jesus was fully God and fully man, but he was in a mortal body. So it says this in Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he then became hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, talking about Satan, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now Jesus was led into the wilderness to be tempted. In order for Jesus to be like us, Jesus had to be tempted in every way like us. In order for him to know what we go through, Satan took his shot at Jesus. Never, Satan never came at Jesus in the public sphere, never in public, never around people. Satan took his shot at Jesus when he was isolated and when he was alone. And Satan many times will tempt us when we're isolated and we're alone. If you really think of any time you've ever really been tempted, it's usually when you're isolated and you're alone. Satan used this opportunity to tempt Jesus after he fasted for 40 days. After 40 days, Jesus was hungry and his body wanted food. Some of us, after like one day, we're craving food. Like our body says, eat. And we just, we got to say no, you know, or you eat. You know, if you're fasting, you say no. But Jesus replied back to Satan's temptation with, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Satan was trying to kill Jesus with his desires for food. Or one could say a strong desire or lust for food after not eating for 40 days. Remember, lust is another way of saying strong desire. When Satan tempts you to do drugs, he's trying to kill you. When Satan tempts you to take you out with people of the opposite sex and trying to get you to throw your body away or do something against God, he's trying to kill you. He's trying to kill you with lust, and this is what Satan was doing with Jesus. He tried to lure him away with something that looked good. Jesus resisted temptation, or resisted the devil, by quoting the word of God. Now, in the second temptation, Matthew 4, verse 5, it says, The devil took him into the holy city, had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up. 
so they will not so you will not strike your foot against a stone jesus said to him on the other hand it is written you shall not put the lord your god to the test now since jesus quoted a scripture to defeat the devil satan threw one at him the devil tries to trip you up sometimes sometimes there will be parts of scriptures that are confusing Remember, the devil can quote scripture too. We must always judge scriptures by other scriptures. If you take the Bible text or verse out of its context and the scriptures around it and what they're saying, you'll be left with nothing but a con. Let me say that again. Take the Bible text out of its context and you're left with nothing but a con. If we don't do this, a person can make the Bible say almost anything we want it to say, and many, many people do this trying to twist what it says. This is how cults start and lead others into confusion. Again, do you read what you believe or do you believe what you read? When we read the Word of God, we read it for what it is and believe what it says. We don't, we don't make it up as we go. A lot of people only read what they believe. That means they're only looking for what they already believe. They're wanting to twist the Scriptures to say whatever they want. Someone could do that. However they wanted. You could take a scripture completely out of context. It's super easy. That's why you never take a Bible text out of its context or you're left with a con. Now, again, Jesus said it is written again and again and again whenever he was tempted. In fact, three times Jesus was tempted uh, by Satan and Jesus fought it with it is written the word and he would quote the word of God. Now, remember, Satan is the king of the counterfeit. Satan used a real scripture and threw it at Jesus saying, hey, throw yourself off this pinnacle. And hey, the scripture says that angels will lift you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Satan knew that if Jesus leaped off that it would have killed him. OK, and then that's where Jesus fires back. Well, you're taking that out of context. You know, it says you don't tempt the Lord your God right? I'm not going to jump off this and tempt God. You know what I mean? That's just, that's, that would just would have been crazy. So Jesus has said, hey, you're twisting the scripture. This is what God's really saying. You don't tempt the Lord your God in a situation like this. So James 4, 7 says, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. When you're tempted, we can't pray that God would stop the tempter. He tells us, God tells us to resist the devil, and it says Satan will flee from you. You have got to do it. We can pray that God would take the tempter away, but at the end of the day, he's given us the power to submit to God, submit to him, and then we resist the devil and we flee or run from him. So how do we resist the devil? Remember, Jesus quoted scripture. It is written. Okay? Always quote scripture. We're going to go, go over that in just a minute. First Peter chapter 5, 8 and 9 says, Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now this says, be on the alert, be on your guard. Your adversary is as a roaring lion. He sounds like one, but he isn't one. Satan may have a roar, but he's not really a lion. Okay, so Satan's walking around pretending to be something he's not, trying to scare you. His roar is trying to make you think you know, he has more power than what you do. But through the word of God and through Jesus, we have power Greater is he that lives in us than he who lives in the world. Okay? Now, also in that scripture, it says, seeking whom, seeking someone who he may devour. Uh, one translation uses the word may, and may implies permission. We give the devil permission when we don't resist him. When you don't stand your ground, you're giving the devil permission to work in your life. Uh, there's a pastor I know. His daughter fell and hit her head on the floor, 
and had a, a one-inch blood clot in her brain, and he, he told the story where he literally had all these visions and thoughts where he thought he was going to lose his daughter. He thought she was going to die, and he thought he might lose her. And he quoted Mark 11, 23 and 24. And he, he refused to believe what thoughts and images and even the funeral popped in his mind. He refused to believe that, and he stood on the word of God. Whoever says to this mountain, it shall be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says, he has whatever he says. That's Mark eleven twenty three and 24. He stood on the word of God, and his daughter is still alive today. Uh, we must resist the devil and stand on the word of God. And again, 1 Peter uh, 5, it continues, but it says, Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing the same experiences of suffering are being accomplished by your brethren who are in the world. This, mean, this means that everyone has trials coming against them. Every one of us. You're not the only one being tempted. Sometimes people are shocked that others are tempted by the same things they are. Satan wants you to think you're the only one who deals with this and tries to I- isolate you to destroy you. Again, He's trying to isolate you to destroy you, to get you alone and think you're the only one going through this. And that's a lie from, from Satan, a lie from hell. Now, when we look in James, what can we do to stop the devil? James 3.2, New Living Translation. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. The word perfect means mature. You grow up in Jesus. You mature. And it talks about how we control our tongues, right? And it, uh, it also talks like a horse has a bit in his mouth and it's connected to reins. And when you, if you've ever ridden a horse, the reins are connected to the bit, but the bit is right there by the tongue and it controls where it goes. Your body is controlled by your tongue. You can resist temptation with your tongue, with your words. Now, real quickly, when fear comes to us, read 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given me a spirit of fear and of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline, a sound mind. Okay, when fear comes, you quote that scripture. You confess it. That's resisting the devil. That's attacking it with it is written. When lust comes to you or sexual sin is, is, is tempting for you, Romans 6.12 says, Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master. When you're tempted in that manner, you say, Sin uh, sin is not my master. Uh, my body is an instrument of righteousness. righteousness. My body is devoted completely to God, and I have new life in God, and I want to use my body for the glory of God. It sounds crazy, but this is a way of resisting temptation. When the devil wants you to lie, Ephesians 4.25 says, Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we all are all parts of the same body. Say, I'm not a liar. I'm, I am no longer going to tell lies. I'm going to tell my neighbors the truth. All part, we're all parts of the same body. And God is the God of truth. Okay, you say these things, say these verses aloud. Remember, Jesus had a scripture for every temptation Satan tried to tempt him with. Now you're seeing it. Are you getting it? Growing as a Christian is not just a matter of knowing God. God is good, and you must know now that there is good and evil and a battle and conflict. You have an enemy. You are marked, and you are in the kingdom of God, and the devil is going to come against you and tempt you and try to lure you away. Remember that Jesus came to give you life and life to the full. You must know the word of God, speak the word of God, and get it into your heart. 
Some people get weary and give up and give in to temptation. Satan will try to take you out with temptation and trials. Do not give up. Don't give up. You're on the winning side. You're a child of God. You belong to him. And he is good. Trust him and his word today. You can be and are the winner in this battle through Christ. Until next time, this is Pastor Daryl. Remember, resist the devil and that God is good and he's for you. Until next time.